You are an awesome God. All right. It's kind of a joy to see Cassandra sideways here directing. You got to see some of those expressions she gives to the choir and some of those hand movements. That was a new experience. Felt like I got to be a part of it today. If you're here last night, you got to be a part of an awesome experience, you know. Uh, I want to reflect for a moment with you on the word diva. You know, uh, I, we sometimes hear it in contexts that aren't always flattering, but diva for me is one who brings a gift that helps you experience the divine. You know, and certainly we had a diva last night, and it was a joy to be in this, in this place with her. And, and I kind of thought, I wondered if I could be a diva. I just wondered for a moment, and I saw that we were leaving the piano here from the concert, and so I, I imagined myself as Michelle Pfeiffer. But that's as far as I could get. That's as far as I could get. Well, so here we are in the middle of summer talking about learning to walk in the dark. Here we are where we've got sunshiny days outside, and Walter and I are even heading on a cruise after worship today. Yeah. And what we recognize with this series is so much of our life is built on what we've been calling solar spirituality. You know, this linear sun path that we all praise and we're dazzled by the bright things and forget to enjoy the things and the shadows, the things that are, where treasures are that God has for us. And so this Learning to Walk in the Dark is a series to help us embrace parts of the world and life in new ways that maybe we've resisted before. So as we run out into the sun, as you come back in here, remember that for this series, we're trying to embrace another side of creation, another beautiful thing that God has created for us to experience. So as one person came into the sanctuary and saw it darkened like this, they said, oh no, are we trying to save money on electricity? <laughs> Which is not a bad question. <laughs> But no, we're intentionally having different levels of light in the sanctuary through this series to have us wonder for a moment what it would be like to not have everything always be so bright, so bright and so shiny. I know some of you go, shiny? You know, like, shiny? Let's go after that. Well, this series is about wondering how we are together in a different way, in a different way. You might get some hint of that with Jesus talking to the scribes and Pharisees today. I don't know about you, but sometimes if I hear the first word of Scripture be, whoa, I'm kind of like, whoa? <laughs> I might need to go to another church this morning. Woe to you, you scribes and Pharisees. You strain gnats and swallow camels. Oh, my goodness. If I was a little bit more like Jesus, I might have been hanging around some churches this week pointing at people who tried to get hero undone and say, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. And it's interesting to recognize that this argument in Matthew, this piece of scripture, was about a family argument, a family feud among their own kind. Jewish people talking to other Jewish people about what was the right way and who to blame for things going wrong. And so we have this, woe to you, scribes, woe to you, Pharisees, you know, but they're talking to each other. And they have Jesus say these words to the people who are most likely to be his friends, 
The scribes and the Pharisees were more on the progressive end of things. And so here is Jesus talking to the ones who might be his friends saying, oh, you are hypocrites. You know, they've just been giving them a hard time because they're complaining that the disciples did not wash their hands. I know my mama used to do that, but here they are because they had a ritual of what it meant to wash your hands. And not everyone could participate in the ritual unless you just happened to have enough water and enough money to do the ritual just the right way. You know, but they're complaining, Jesus, your disciples don't wash their hands in the right way. And Jesus says, what in the world are you talking about? Y'all are too busy with the small things. Let's get to some of the big things in life. You're too busy polishing up the outside of the cup and you're not paying any attention to what's inside the cup. Let's pay attention to what's inside first before we start polishing what's outside. You know, our vision is an interesting thing. The sermon this morning is Eyes of the Blind, based on a chapter in the book by Barbara Brown Taylor. And she says, vision is one of the least intimate things that we have. Vision requires very little intimacy, she says. You see people from far away and you make judgments about them without ever talking to them. You might not even ever shake their hand, but you, through vision, are able to come to conclusions before ever experiencing the person that's right there before you. And so she says, what would it be like if for a moment in time we experienced living as if we had the eyes of the blind? What would it require of us in our lives? We might bump into each other a little more. We not, might not make the same judgments because we don't have our sight to help us along the way. You know, it might be like the, our, our kids that are doing roller coasters today. I don't know if you've ever been on Space Mountain. Have you ever gone and been on Space Mountain? Okay, it's a roller coaster, but it's not in the dazzling bright. It's inside in the dark. It's one of those roller coasters when you get going on it, you can't prepare yourself for a sharp left or a sharp right. You know, you just kind of have to go with it and bump into your partner and hope you don't knock heads. But there's a different level of touch, a different level of having to rely on people around you when we live with eyes of the blind. Oh, goodness. Are we willing to trust enough to try that? To actually just close our eyes for a while and hear what God has to bring to us? what gift there might be. There's a spiritual exercise called a trust walk where they ask you to do just that. They put blindfolds around you and then they have someone else lead you around all over the place. You get to know them pretty intimately from falling and stumbling and grabbing hold uh, just so you won't hurt yourself. But these trust walks, it, it actually brings up for us, oh my goodness, what are we not experiencing because we spend so much time judging ahead of time by what we see. Barbara Brown Taylor says this other thing too. She says, sight and sound come with such velocity today that I have learned to defend myself. Sight and sound have come with such velocity today that I have learned to defend myself against them. 
I know some websites at times, you know, I can't even get through a paragraph without something speaking to me and then something else saying click here and something else saying go there. And it's just too much at one time. I have to, I want to go slower so I might be able to pay attention to what's right before me. A friend in D.C. asked me to pick him up for lunch, and I picked him up for lunch and went to this little cafe place near his office. He worked for the National Gay and Lesbian Task Force, and we were a part of the Religious Leaders Roundtable. So David took me to this nice little outdoor restaurant on a sunny, bright day outside. It was beautiful. And I couldn't pay attention to the conversation. There were too many pretty people walking by. We were outside and on the sidewalk, we were right there, and one came this way and one came that way, one came this way, I thought, oh, God, Troy, you really are gay. <laughs> you know, you just really are. But it was just all of this visual stimulation, and I did figure out that we were in the part of D.C. where that might happen most likely. But I had to sit in another place in order to be able to pay attention to the conversation. So what does it mean to pray in a maybe not look and judge ahead of time or be overwhelmed in such ways that we can't look further than the surface where we might not look to the inside. And so Barbara Brown Taylor invites us in this series to experience time differently, experience light differently, experience space differently, and look for the treasures that are there within Jesus is actually talking to these Pharisees and saying something quite similar. Stop paying attention to all of this stuff. Spend a little time getting to know your heart again. Spend a little time cleaning what's on the inside. Then this hand-washing stuff you're talking about isn't going to matter at all. Maybe we can let go of it. I was really ready one time to fix up my house had a townhouse down in Montrose, and I was going to open up this wall so there'd be some more light, you know, worshiping the light the way I do. And as I was doing that, I got into trying to make it as pretty as it could be, and they got into that wall, and they found out that I had to replace that whole side of the house. I said, can't we just make it pretty? I <laughs> said, no, you got to clean out the inside of the cup first. And then we can clean the outside and make it pretty. I know some of us spend a lot of time at the gym. A lot of us spend a lot of time shopping for just the right thing. Just so that we can make it pretty on the outside. Along the way, are we doing those moments that help us be sure the inside is coming along in the same way? Jesus asked us that this day, clean the inside first, people. Then worry about the outside. I know sometimes it feels like our friends just aren't alongside us. He's talking to those scribes and Pharisees and saying, y'all are supposed to get it. In this hero thing, we're talking to other Christian people and saying, y'all are supposed to get it. Didn't you hear Jesus say you're supposed to talk about justice and faith, not about this outside stuff? Stop telling people they have to wash their hands exactly the way you do or something is wrong with them. You know, let's go back to these basics of our faith that have to do with our heart. Barbara Brown Taylor says that we need to spend regular time doing things differently than we normally do. 
spending that time of darkness, spending that time in what she calls lunar spirituality instead of solar, that time with the moon and the stars, that time, that cyclical that comes regularly with us. We just had a blue moon if you got to see it. But she, she talks about this in a way that she said if she had a new awareness when she was reading scripture, she'd always wondered why in the world, why in the world did it take three days? Why did Jesus spend three days in the dark in order for resurrection to come to pass? Why did Jonah spend three days in the belly before he was given the opportunity to bring God's word? Why did Saul have to be blind for three days until he got to find a new faith and new community? Why, she said, all of these things. She said, maybe it was the wisdom of the ancient world that knew that every new moon takes three days of darkness, that every month you get a resurrection, the light goes out and the light comes back, but in between, there's three days. There's three days for you to experience the world a new way. What does it mean to look at the world with eyes of the blind? What does it mean to do it just a bit differently? I want to share a clip with you from an artist who didn't become an artist until he became blind. His name's John. He'd never painted anything before in his life. I want you to see some of his work. my eyesight that I wasn't afraid to fail anymore. The first step into my art career was going blind, and I'm happier than I've ever been in my life. The first step in my art career. So he had to learn to paint by bumping into the material, by feeling his way around with what the paints were, by feeling the painting as he worked on it. He had to learn a new way of seeing. He had to learn a way of creating with eyes of the blind. And here we are wondering, can that be us too? Can we learn how to see all these colors, to see all this beauty, to see all this wonder in the world? You know, by bumping into things rather than staying so far apart from them that the way our sight allows us to do. Oh, God gives us the gift to know one another if we allow it to be so. And if we allow ourselves to know one another, then all of a sudden we aren't others to each other, but we are family, and the family feud ends, and we stop pointing fingers and we work together. 
One of the real concerns I have about this series and learning to walk in the dark is it lifts up how we praise lightness and praise sun and how we put down the darkness and how that impacts us racially. And I want to show you a clip from a 1965 movie because this has been going on a long time. And it's a story of a um, blind woman who is white who forms a relationship with a seeing person who is black. And as they see each other as whole beings, what's possible? But he doesn't yet tell her that he is a black person. And this scene in the story is when he's ready to share that information with her and doesn't know how it will impact how they've grown together. So watch Patches of Blue. A patch. There's something I want to talk about before the bus arrives. I'm not wrong, am I? You do love me, don't you? Of course. Gordon, you've gone away from me. Everything is changing. No, I haven't. I thought you'd gone away. Sit down. Selena, there are many kinds of love. Most of them have nothing to do with marriage. You mean you don't want to marry me? I believe there are reasons why it wouldn't work out. Because of my being blind? Because of where I come from? Selena, you'll meet many new people, men and women. You will see lots of things differently. And after a time, you'll be able to tell. We'll both be able to tell whether what we feel for each other has anything to do with marriage. How long is all this going to take? Let's say a year from today. A year? A year's forever. I couldn't hold out longer than a week. A year is not forever, Selena. Now you listen to me for a minute. There's something I want to tell you about me. I know everything I need to know about you. I love you. I know you're good and kind. I know you're colored. And I, and I think you're beautiful. Beautiful. Most people would say the opposite. Well, that's because they don't know you. I pray that we may be able to see with eyes of the blind beautiful, and count others bump against them in ways where we finally know who they are. We hear their stories, we know their hurts, we know their hopes, and we're able to dream along with them and to know them as beautiful as they know us as beautiful. This coming week, there's the opportunity to go down to City Hall and to say to the world, all these people are beautiful. All these people God loves. I wouldn't say go in with woe to you scribes and Pharisees. <laughs> or clean the inside of your cup, folks, before you get to the outside. But I would say life and people are beautiful. You don't vote on them. It looks like we might have to. So I encourage you to go and be a part of that equality where we talk about things from people who are pregnant, people of different colors, people of different genders. The whole equality ordinance is for all of God's children. 
But there's some people for whom that's a little bit scary, that it's just too frightening, and they'd rather keep you paying attention to washing the outside of the cup. So I invite you to go and reveal who you are and be a part of that experience of being able to say, it's beautiful. But then I want to ask you to do another thing, too. I think it's easy for our congregation to say, okay, I'll go and I'll talk about that. That's good, equal rights, especially when it includes sexual orientation and gender identity. But I want you to also consider going with me. Following Sunday, August 9th, I'll get back from the cruise in time, I'll meet people here in the parking lot at 3.30, and I'm going to drive to Hempstead. In Hempstead, there's going to be a rally supporting Sandra Bland and revealing more clearly and into the light more of what's challenging in our world. Because as we talk about learning to walk in the dark and recognize how much we prize the sun and the light, it's oh so clear how different the world is. It's oh so clear how hard it is to not be a person who is white in this world. Will you come with me? Will some of you meet me here at 3.30 next Sunday, carpool together to Hempstead to be with those Ashton Woods is putting together the rally, and Ashton has come with us everywhere we've gone. And I want to go with Ashton to Hempstead and say, yes, let's lift up this injustice, let's lift up this, this harm that's being caused. Let's look at the inside of the cup. Let's look at where we haven't yet cleaned fully yet then maybe someday the feud will end. In Jesus' name, amen.